some call you mama some call you mommy some call you the most smartest some call you so funny some call you homework helper some call you higher higher some call you their hero and also their taxi driver some call you nana or abuela or mima some call you mother please stop spoiling them all some call you a mentor some call you a friend some call you god's kindness for the mother they never had some call you from the beginning some call you much later some call you guardian or foster parent on paper but paper never stopped you from showing up open-handed you were no less the mother and the love god intended some call you joy some call you graceful some call you strength some call you faithful some call you constant some call you care some call you always some call you there some call you the greatest some call you the bomb but i i call you blessed i call you We do want to celebrate our moms this morning, don't we? Uh, they are an unbelievably special part of our lives, and we all have one. Um, and so it, it's an important thing for us to remember. This is a special day for us. Uh, just a reminder, we definitely have all of our kids in the room this morning, and we do that on purpose because we wanted all of our moms uh, to be able to be together as the family. So um, we're okay with a little bit more uh, fidgeting, uh, and so we definitely recognize that and understand that that's going to be here this morning. But nonetheless, we want to spend some time focusing on um, mothers, but do it in a way where um, it is an encouragement to all of us. And so if you would, please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Um, we're going to be reading that together. I want to invite Beth Tuzali up to read for us. Um, she's going to be reading the chapter, uh, chapter 8, 1 through 20. If you would stand with me out of respect for God's word as we read this morning. Uh, again, we, we stand out of respect for God's Word because we are reminded of the important role that God's Word has in our life, and we want to be always submitted to it in, um, in reverence for what God has given to us. So, Beth, I'll pass it off to you. Deuteronomy 8. Thank you. Good morning, church family. The text comes from Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 20. The whole commandment that I command you today, you should be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land of the gods that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord, the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. And he humbled you, and he let you hunger, and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, 
that he might make you to know the man, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then that in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord is God disciplines you so that you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall be blessed, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments and his rules, by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full, and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you, out the, who brought you the water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he may, might humble you and test you, to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Beth. Have a seat and pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word, as always. Um, it is a light into our path. It's a guide for us as your people. Father, as we turn our attention uh, to look at your word and to honor and, and thank our, our mothers and, and be reminded of all that they do, Lord, I know that in, in a lot of ways this is, an, this is a, a very unique day for many in this room. There are some that are feeling the anxiety of becoming a mom for the first time. Uh, there's others in this room that have experienced loss this year, whether the loss of their mom or the loss of a child. Father, in this day is a reminder of those things. There's a reminder of those moments. Father, there's some moms that are just in, in the busyness of having multiple kids trying to just figure out the day-to-day. 
Lord, in the midst of all of that, Lord, we want to pray first and foremost that you would be present, that you would bring comfort and peace, that you would bring strength to weary hands. But Lord, we also pray most of all that you would be glorified today, that your son would be exalted not only in the lives of mothers, but also in the lives of us all. And so, Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that you would certainly give me um, words to speak. Father, that your spirit would be with us, guiding us and leading us into truth. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So I was thinking about doing a Mother's Day sermon. I actually originally intended on go ahead and continuing on in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, And when I got into Revelation chapter 12 and kind of was reading through and realized that here's the text about the woman and the baby and the dragon, I kind of realized this probably wasn't the text I really wanted to honor my own mom with or my own wife, um, who is the mom of our kids, obviously. Uh, I thought that maybe there's some better options out there for us to think about in regards to uh, what text of scripture we wanted to go in. And as I started, started to pray through that and really think about, okay, what is it that I want to share? And, and how do you share something on Mother's Day uh, that's beneficial to all of us, right? Like we want to be all equipped and all encouraged and all mindful of the Word of God. Um, you know, whether you're a mom or you're a dad or you're single or whatever position of life that you're in right now. And so it's not an easy task to try to come up with a scripture or a sermon um, that, that helps meet all those little boxes to check. Now, as I was thinking about that, I was praying with that, I was reading through the book of Deuteronomy, and I came to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I thought that in Deuteronomy chapter 8, there are some amazing things in there, just some practical things that give us practical wisdom on how we can live in any season, any age, how we can be faithful, particularly as families. And I think it's easy for us to underestimate the importance of families, whether we'd say that or not, but in our practical lives. And we can't. The family's so important. And not just the family that you were born into, but the broader family, the body of Christ. And I want to point a couple of quotes out before we jump into the text specifically that I think just underlines and supports this idea. The first one is Barad Dreer. And he says this, the traditional Christian family is not merely a good idea. It is also a survival strategy for faith in a time of persecution. Christians should stop taking family life for granted. Instead, approaching it in a more thoughtful and disciplined way. We cannot simply live as all other families live, except that we go to church on Sunday. Holding the correct theological beliefs and having the right intentions will not be enough. Christian parents must be intentionally countercultural in their approach to family dynamics. The days of living like everybody else and hoping that our children turn out for the best are over. Now, that is quite the quote. And listen, I already said this, but I want to point this out. Singles, if you're sitting here and thinking, well, this doesn't even apply to me, it absolutely applies to you. These things that we're going to talk about today, they're applicable not only in the life of a family, but they're applicable for you in the body of Christ, as the family of Christ. They're also applicable to you as you consider how you want to be and the type of person you want to be as you grow and as you get married or you enter into a family. They're applicable to all of us. Even empty nesters, those that are retired, those that have grandkids and great-grandkids. One of our pastors or elders reminded me today we have one in our body that has 34 great-grandkids, which is amazing. 
That's, that's just, I, I joked, I said, I'm not buying Christmas presents if I have that many grandkids. I'm just not even going to try. But there's a second quote that I want to point out, and it's by Carl Truman. He says this, the sexual revolution ultimately has one great goal, the destruction of the family. It makes sense, of course, for the family is the primary means by which values are transmitted from generation to generation. Let me say that again. The family is the primary means by which values are transmitted from generation to generation. Now, the truth of the matter is, it isn't the sexual revolution that has the goal of destroying our families. It's the enemy. It's Satan. Because he knows that the transmission of godly values happens in the family best, but it also happens in the family of God. And so this is such an important thing. So you may say, well, why in the world or how does Deuteronomy chapter 8 apply to this? If we want to be a people who transmit the values, the godly values, not only to our kids, but to other people around us, our circle of influence, those that we mentor, those that we minister to in the church, those that maybe come to faith in Christ through our, our proclamation of the gospel, how does Deuteronomy help us with that? Well, I think Deuteronomy gives us five specific things that we can learn from, that we can pr- participate in, practice in our lives, in our families, and a sixth one that I think is alluded to, but it's communicated in other parts of Scripture. And so that's what I want to look at today. And man, I'll tell you what, I wish that I had known some of these things when I became a father to my oldest son, Isaac. I don't know how you feel about it, but if you're a firstborn, you know, or at least I think you probably know, you probably got the worst of your parents. All right, right? Like, you just did. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. Some of us still don't feel like we know what we're doing after number four or five. But with the first one, it's like, I'm just trying my best. And I wish that I had known some of these things when I became a dad. I wish that I had started building some of these things into my life before I was a dad. So what are they? Well, the first one is this. It starts with us being careful to do. Sounds like a strange way to say it. Certainly not grammatically correct, but look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your, family, to, to your fathers. Seems really simple, doesn't it? Just, just seek obedience to what you know God has already commanded you to do. Like we have this expectation all the time. We have this expectation with our kids. We have this expectation if you're an employer and you've got employees, right? Like we expect our kids, we expect those that are underneath us to do the things, to be careful to do the things that we've told them to do. So if my kids are going out to play in the front yard and I say, hey guys, I don't want you to play in the street, I expect them to be careful to do that command. I don't care if my kids come to me and say, well dad, it's so much more fun to play in the street because because I don't get chiggers like I do in the grass. Or I don't like to play on the driveway because on the driveway my my ball just keeps rolling into the street. So why don't I just stay in the street in the first place? Don't worry, I'll be careful. Like it doesn't matter. Like none of that makes a difference to me. I've given them a command and I expect them to be careful to do the command, to follow the command. If you're an employer and you give a, a, one of your employees a project and you give them certain ga- boundaries and guidelines in that project, you expect them to do that project. 
It doesn't matter if they come to you and say, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't think this is the right thing to do. And I mean, I, I really would rather do this. Like that doesn't matter because you've given them a command because you know what's best. Now, here's the thing. If you remember what Carl Truman's statement said, that family is the primary means by which values are transmitted from generation to generation, consider this. If you read and you hear in God's word, set no evil thing before your eyes, and you tell your kids and you make them memorize that scripture, set no evil thing before your eyes, but then you watch unwholesome TV unwholesome movies, you scroll through social media and you look at things that are not pleasing to the Lord, or you look at YouTube videos or things on Snapchat or whatever it is, let me ask you the question, what value are you actually transmitting to them? Are they listening to what you're saying or are they going to be getting the value of what you're doing? And this is all over our lives. You're passing a very particular value based on what you do. If you hear the Lord tell you, like, don't forsake the fellowship of believers. Like, be together, be in community, and you only go to church once a month because all of the other things come into your life and all the other busyness that happens in our lives, which we all have, what value are you communicating to your kids in regards to the importance of the fellowship of believers? If you're mentoring somebody and you use unwholesome language all the time, what value are you really passing on to them as the next generation? If you get a job, my daughter's looking for a job as a 15-year-old for her first one this summer, and if she works on Sunday and I allow her to work on Sunday, what value am I helping her see in regards to the value of the church and the Sabbath? If you spend 98% of your resources, as much as you tell them how much God is important in your life, and you spend 98% of your resources on your entertainment and your comforts, what value are you really passing down to those that watch you, to those that see you? And again, this doesn't just apply to moms. This applies to all of us. It applies to every single one of us, even those as you go to work and you're working with those around you and your circles of influence and your neighbors, what values are you passing on? What we say is absolutely important, but what you do is far more important. And that is what's going to matter when it goes to passing down the things that you want to pass on. Now, here's the thing I want to make sure we understand. And for kids, as you're listening to this, and you're like, oh, great. Like, my pastor's telling me, just do everything my parents tell me to do. Well, yes. But you need to understand, like God, your parents are not trying to keep things good from you. They're not trying to be mean to you. Look at the text up on the scripture or on the screen. What does it say? It says, be careful to do the things he's commanded. Why? So that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Like God doesn't call us to obedience out of a begrudging cumbersome kind of call, he wants us to live. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to find life and to flourish just like our parents do. Like when God gives us commands, he cares about us. And he's calling us and leading us to the things that will lead to life 
Because that's where he ultimately wants us to move to. Mom says don't play in the street. She's not trying to make you itchy in the grass. She just wants you to live. And to live long and prosperous. So that you don't get run over by a car. This is God. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes when it comes to the things that he's called us, the statutes and commands that he has given to us. Now, secondly, in Deuteronomy, what do we see? Well, we see we're to remember the whole way. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Do you spend time in your home with your friends, with the people, that you, the people that you mentor, your circle of influence, those that don't know Jesus that are around you, do you spend time recounting the way that God has brought you to where you are? And we sing that whole song, like, do it again, Lord, do it again. And Ryan did a great job of reminding us of all the things that God has done. Do we do a good job of constantly recounting that with those that were around? Be reminded of during the good times and the bad times of God's faithfulness. I tell my kids about stories like when we were planning to go to France and we were selling everything and we were moving that direction and then God changed at the end and that was such a hard season in our lives. It was so difficult. We didn't know what God was doing. We had no idea what he was doing, but he was good and he was faithful. Even though it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, like God still was working. And you, your kids need to know that. They need to see that. And not always just in the good things, but in all the things. Brothers and sisters, this is part of your testimony of how God has moved and worked and provided and protected and, and taking you and got you from this point to this point. And how he's going to continue to be faithful, even if things don't work out. You know what? I need this too. I need to do it because sometimes I need to be reminded of how thankful I should be of what God has done in my life. Like how much he's moved in my life. I need to hear other people tell about how God has worked in their life to remind me of what God has done in my life. Like this is so important in the family of God that we are constantly remembering the whole way that the Lord has brought us to where we are. And do this regularly. As part of our lives. Moms, you have more opportunities to do this than anyone else in the lives of your kids. To constantly bring them to the word of God and to constantly show them how those things have played out in your life and in the life of your family. Next is to know his discipline and pass that discipline on. Look at verse three. And he humbled you And he let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Let you hunger. This is kind of a shocking text, isn't it? It's especially shocking if we have begun to fall into the false belief that God never wants his people to suffer or experience hardship or difficulty because he let his people hunger for a reason. And then he fed them with manna so that he could teach them something, so he could show them what was in their own hearts. You see, here's the thing. 
Discipline, when we hear the idea of discipline, we often think, well, that's just punishment. But that's not scriptural understanding of discipline. God disciplines his people all the time to shape us, to reveal what's inside of us, to teach us, to grow us. Discipline's not just about punishment. It's about so much more than that. And guess what? It's usually hard. He disciplined the people of Israel with hunger, which humbled them so they might know something deep and profound about God, his provision and his power, his trustworthiness to provide for them. Share those moments with your kids. Share those moments with those that are around you. Ask each other in the body of Christ, how is it that God has disciplined you? How is it he's shaped you and formed you? How is it that he's made you patient? That doesn't usually just come by waking up one day. It usually comes with some challenges in our lives. God is for our eternal good. He's not only concerned about our temporary good. And he is wise and loving. Sometimes that means going through hard times. Drill that truth into your kids, those you mentor, and those you have influence in so that they can see the, char- the character of God. Let this idea work itself out into your own discipline of your kids. Kids, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say this to your parents. Sometimes you need to have your kids go through some hard things. Like sometimes you need to take your kids through some hard things. Like making life easy for them is not always going to be, it's rarely going to be what's best for them. I mean, if if God has taken in his own people them through times of hunger so that he could shape them and mold them and teach them and discipline them towards something good, don't you think that's a good example for us to follow? Now listen, always do it with a purpose. Always do it with a plan in mind. But sometimes, sometimes we need to lovingly let our our four-year-old learn how to put his pants on. Y'all ever had a four-year-old try to learn to put his pants on? Okay, maybe it's just in my house, but they go, I can't do it. It's too hard. Where's the tag? Few of you know what I'm talking about. And they fall on the ground and they stick their legs up in the air and they roll and they go, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's too hard. It's too hard. And then they come out and they think they've got it and they're backwards. Or you hear them fall on the ground because they stuck both their legs in one hole, right? Like, they need to walk through that so they can learn. That's, that's discipline. That's not, they didn't do anything wrong. You're teaching them something. If you make it easy, if you put your kid's pants on every single day, they're going to be the kid that's 10, still needing mom and dad to dress them. Oh, we don't want that, right? And we know that. But we need to understand this when it comes to our own kids, but we also need to understand it when it comes to the life of the Lord in, in our lives. Yes, absolutely, when our kids fall down, we go and we pick them up. And we, when they are humbled, we're there to provide for them and love them and care for them. That's what God does. And the whole point of this is that we need to not only be telling these things and sharing these things with one another and with our kids, but we need to be implementing this into how we disciple our kids and discipline our kids, how we disciple those around us. Don't always seek to take those that are underneath you or following you through the easiest path first. 
Sometimes they need to go through some difficulty. Know his discipline in your life and communicate it. Share it. Pass it on to your kids. Next, know where you're headed. Do his commands. Remember his whole way. Know his discipline. And then verse 7 says this, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, brooks and fountains and springs, valleys and hills, wheat and barley, vines and figs, olive trees and honey, mountains to mine copper. Like, this isn't just about provision. This is about lavish fulfillment and joy and rest and good food and peace. And he's like, listen, do all this stuff. Like, follow these things and, and keep in mind where you're going. How often do we keep our future reality in front of our kids? Are we constantly reminding him? Are we constantly reminding our friends? Are we constantly reminding our spouses, those that we serve in the church, of where we're going? How many of you have ever driven to Colorado? All right, there's a few of you. How many of you love the drive on I-70 West? Like, there's a few of you, and I'm sorry for those of you who do, but for the analogy's sake, just bear with me. I hate that drive. It is straight, it is long, and it is brown. And maybe that's just the time I'm going, I don't know, but I hate that drive. But here's the thing, like, it's not, it's really not that bad because I know where I'm going. Because I know that at the end of that drive is a cabin with a fire and a cup of coffee and no phones ringing and nobody bothering me. I'm with my family. I get to play games. I get to watch the mountains and be in the mountains and smell the pine trees and see the, the snow and the deer. Man, it's phenomenal because I know where I'm going. And so I don't mind the drive. Do we do a good job of reminding each other where we're going? I think a lot of times as Christians, like we just walk through life like, man, this is just hard. It's just hard. And we forget where we're headed. We need to constantly be stirring the imaginations of one another, constantly stirring the imaginations of our kids. Like, oh, this is amazing food. Can you imagine what it'll be like in heaven and the new earth? Oh, this is, it is amazing to see the, the ocean. Can you imagine being here without anxiety or depression or the weight of all the things that are on our, our shoulders in the full presence of God, like seeing the ocean. Watching the news. Do you point out to your kids and to those around you like, man, this is horrible. Aren't you excited for the day? This isn't going to be like this. Do you dream and ask questions to your kids and those around you, your grandkids? Do you say, hey, do you think there's going to be mosquitoes in the new earth? I don't know. I hope not. Do you think there's going to be flies bothering me while I'm trying to eat my food? I, I hope not. Do you think maybe God's going to let us build like things like spaceships and we'll be able to go to other planets and like populate them? Like, there's nothing wrong with that as long as we're reminded of what the ultimate goal is, which is to dwell with our God. Stir the imaginations of our kids. Stir the imaginations of one another. Stir the imaginations of what we have to come for us, know where we are headed. It's way better than somewhere with milk and honey. Our promised land is so much better. Know where you're headed. Do this in your homes. Do it regularly with one another. Do it with your friends. I know it'll be awkward at times, but if you do it, it'll be amazing how it stirs your faith and encourages you. Next, don't forget him. Fear him. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 through 14 gives us a warning. Take care 
lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Like, look at this. How many times he says multiplied? I'm multiplying, I'm multiplying. This is all from the hand of God. Like, this is his blessing. This is him giving to his people. Like, multiply, multiply. But he says, don't forget. Be aware of this temptation. If we're not aware of this temptation, we're going to fall into it. You know how many times God tells his people not to forget in Deuteronomy? Nine times. That's a lot. Don't let forgetfulness be the mark of your home. Amid all your busyness, all the trappings, all the entertainments, all the comforts, all the health, all the, all, all the difficult times, all the good times, all the celebrations, don't get so focused on the gifts that you forget the giver. Brothers and sisters, in no way, shape, or form am I saying that the wealth that we have, the comforts that you have, that those things are evil, that those things are wicked. We don't want to seek to demonize those things. God's given them. They're blessings. He's multiplied it. The problem's not in the thing. The problem is in the temptation. And so what do we do? Well, don't forget him. Bring him into all of it. Figure out how to leverage those things for his kingdom. Leverage those things for his glory. Let those around you, those in your circle of influence, hear you say and talk about how to leverage the gifts that God has given to you. Let your kids see you wrestle with that. How to, how to wrestle with leveraging your home for his glory. How to leverage cell phones and social media for his glory. I know some would say, well, we can't do any of that. Well, listen, your kids are going to have it whether you like it or not. Like they're growing up in a world where it's all over. It's in their face. And when they turn 18 and they move out of your house, likely they're going to have access to it and they're going to gauge it. You need to teach them how to leverage it for God's glory and be aware of the temptations and pitfalls while they're in your home under your loving care. Like leverage these things. Like let your kids see you tithe and give to the church so they can see the value of these things. Let your kids see how you leverage your car or your swimming pool or your time for the kingdom of God. Let them see it so that that value can be transferred to them by how you work and how, what you do. Remember, our words are the least effective way to pass down our values to our kids and those that we're around. And then secondly, fear him. Verse 11 reminds us to do that. I'm sorry, verse 6, by fearing him. Here's simply this, what I remember. And that's not to be scared of God. It's to remember that power and provision all come from him, that nothing comes apart from him. Let your kids be reminded of this. Like we're in the midst of a mini drought right now. Do you realize that God could just stop giving water to this land and within a few years, none of us are here. We are dependent upon him for everything. 
In our technological age where you can go to the grocery store and buy chickens that have already been plucked and made for you, don't forget, none of that happens without the hand of God. You don't breathe without the hand of God. God is the one who holds the power. He is the one who provides. And without his hand, none of us are here. Like We give him thanks for that. Talk about it with your kids. Talk about it with those that you're around. Next, be proactive and reactive teachers. This is where I'll step out of the text for a second, but I think it's implied here. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, it says this. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You need to be a proactive teacher, not only in your home, but in the body of Christ, with your friends, and the people that God has put around you. Teach them about the Lord. And listen, I'm I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but I just want to say this. It doesn't always have to be and look like you sitting around in a circle and reading the Bible. That's awesome. Okay? Do that. That's great. You need to be in the Word of God, but you know where else it can come? It can come when you hear a song on the radio that doesn't have correct theology and you teach your kids about the correct theology. You can teach your kid about, kids about God's character that you see um, in uh, somebody else doing something as the body of Christ, being the hands and feet of Jesus. You can teach your kids by taking them on missions trips. You can teach your kids by pausing a movie and saying, what was wrong with that? What, did, what was just communicated to us that's not biblical and sound? You can teach your kids. One of the ways that I, I've started to do is read once a week out of the Voice of the Martyrs magazine so they could hear different stories of brothers and sisters all across the world who are living faithful lives. Listen, you can teach your kids in all kinds of ways. And guess what? It's never convenient. Like if you've ever tried to teach your kids anything, it's never convenient. Someone's always sick. Someone's always got to go to the bathroom. Someone's always itchy. Someone's always thirsty, right? Like if you've done this, you know that's the case. If you're trying to mentor a brother or sister in Christ, you know it's never convenient. You're always busy. There's always something. Listen, it doesn't matter. You proactively find ways to teach the people that God has put in your path. You teach them. Find the best time, and you just do it. And guess what? If the kids only hear 10%, that's 10% they wouldn't have got if you didn't teach them. So teach your kids proactively. But not just that, be reactive. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 20 says this, When your son asks you in times to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Go on, it says, tell them the answer to the question. But here's what I would say, and here's where the reactive piece is. Is your home a home where questions are welcomed? They should be. I'll tell you right now, and this isn't just in homes with moms and dads. This is with students. This is with friends. This is with coworkers and people you're mentoring. If you aren't asking questions, they won't ask questions because they'll feel that they can't. They'll feel that they're not smart enough. They're going to feel like they need to be shamed because of their doubt. They need to be, they're going to feel like they got to have all the answers. Listen, you need to be people full of questions. Anybody in this room has the answers to all of them? I'm not putting my hand up. But every single question, this can handle. Amen? 
Like there's not a person in this room that doesn't at times question and go like, God, why are you doing that? Like, I don't understand. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. We have entire books of the Bible, like Habakkuk, where the prophet is going like, wait a minute, why are the wicked prospering and the righteous are, are suffering? Like, what's going on? Like, like, questions are so important. Your house should be marked by questions. You should be asking questions all the time. You should be asking questions to your kids. Well, what do you think about the Trinity? Anyone want to answer that one? Well, what do you think about suffering in the world? How do you answer that question? Should God, um, what, does God create people with sin ingrained into their bodies or into their flesh? Or is that all environmental? Like, these are all questions that kids and people around us want answers to. And people in the church are terrified to ask because they don't want to be seen as somebody who's doubting. Listen, the only way that turns bad is if you don't ask the question and that seed turns to a full-grown plant and then you walk away from Jesus. Ask questions. Let your house be full of questions. Not questioning God's character, but questioning the things we don't understand. He's infinite. We're not. So we're always going to have them. Finally, and this is not one of the ones on the list. I said six things, and I said that on purpose because this one is the foundation for all of the others, and it's simply this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. None of the rest of this matters if you don't do it from there. If you try to teach your kids, if you try to do and be faithful to all the obedience of all the commandments that God has given to you and you do it all apart from loving God, like it's just religion and your kids and those around you will smell it from a mile away and they'll run from it. Your greatest goal, moms, dads, mentors, sisters, brothers, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. You can fail in a myriad of ways, but if your kids see you, and not just your kids, but those that are, you're trying to share Christ with or those that you're discipling see you lay down your life and pursue Jesus, there is nothing in this world as intoxicating as watching that in a life. Nothing. Like statistics show us all the time. It doesn't matter how many Christian schools you put your kids in. It doesn't matter how many Sunday school classes you put them in or how many times you take them to church. If you are not pursuing Jesus with love, with all your heart, mind, and soul, they likely aren't going to follow Jesus. That's just statistics. So love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your might. And moms, today I know that there are so many of you that are trying to do this, and I commend you for it. Keep going. Keep going. I hope that this morning like stirs you to love the Lord. I hope it stirs you to be more dedicated to that. I hope it stirs all of us to that, because it's the foundation to all of these things, and it's the greatest value that we can pass on to our kids. Amen? The greatest value we can pass is that, man, he is worth the, he's worth more than anything else. Like Paul says, I count everything as rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Let that be the value you pass to your kids. Let that be the value they see in you, they hear in you, they watch in you. And I'm telling you that they will want to follow Christ when they see that. Because watching people love God is so powerful. So I leave with the, you with this. Maybe you're striving this morning. 
Maybe you're, you're striving to do this. And I praise God for that. You're striving to live this kind of life. But here's the thing. Keep pressing forward. Keep growing. Keep growing. Make sure that you love the Lord more five years from now than you do today. And let your kids see that you're growing. It's okay to repent. It's okay to say, like, I didn't used to do this, but now I do. It's okay to make changes in your house and say, hey, we're going to make some changes because I want to pursue Jesus harder this way. And I would also tell you this. Maybe you're here this morning, you feel like a failure. You feel like, man, I have not done these things. I've not pursued the Lord this way. I've not loved him this way. I've not been a proactive teacher. I forgot him, maybe. I'm not doing all the things he's called me to do. Listen, can I just tell you, we took communion this morning. What we need to be reminded of that is, is that that's the past. And your past does not have to mean it's also your future. And I would just tell you this morning, if you came in and you feel like, man, I'm doing a terrible job at this, man, don't worry about your past. Give it to Jesus. You can't change your past. Let him redeem it. And you make small steps today to begin to pursue the Lord in your life this way. Just small steps. Just a little one. Don't say you're going to read an entire chapter of Leviticus to your kids tonight before they go to bed. That's not the first thing you should probably do. Like, it's not going to work out. Like, take a small step, right? Like, read a read an exciting story like Elijah and Mount Carmel and just do it small instead of doing it every night do it once a week I know just make one step like listen we're all failures we all mess up and we all need to forget what's gone on behind us so that we can press on towards what's ahead of us so strive towards that and make a small make a small change and trust in the grace of God for your kids for mistakes you've made I've messed up so many times with my kids, I can't even begin to tell you. And so many times I've had to say I'm sorry. And they've been gracious to give forgiveness. But they need to see you're not perfect. They need to see you're striving. They need to see you abide in Jesus and abide in his grace and his love. And so press on, strive forward. So I'd encourage you as you leave this morning to take those takeaway guides that's got some questions and the list of the things on here that we've talked about today and just think of how you can apply these things in your life whether you're an empty nester or you've got brand new little ones on the way or you're single doesn't matter how are you going to apply these things move forward because God is good and God wants to lead us to life amen and God has given us life in Jesus and he's given us a way and he's given us truth and so follow it Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, again, we thank you for our moms. I, I wouldn't be here without my mom. Like she's such a, a wonderful woman that's given so much. And, and, and I know so many other people in this room would say the same. Father, I'm so thankful for my wife who's being a mom with my sick kid at home right now because that's the job they tend to get. And I'm so grateful for them. But Lord, I pray that for them, for all of the moms in this room and for all the dads and for all the young people, for all the students, the singles, empty nesters, those that are, have lost loved ones, those that are excited for new ones to come. Lord, may we all seek to live faithful lives. 
May we want to strive to love you with our hearts and minds and souls. May we seek to teach and to do all that's commanded to us, to never forget where you've brought us from, to never forget you and all your power and might and all that you've done for us, never to stop abiding in you and resting in you and to trust you for life. And Lord, let us never take our eyes off of you or the inheritance that you've promised to us. Father, lead us forward. I pray and ask, amen.